0: Hi and welcome to Historically Speaking with Angela Breidenbach. My friend who has been a great friend of mine for many years is a wonderful family historian and genealogist and we're going to learn about her great-grandparents who were uh, a Chicago-born opera singer, very famous, and her great-grandfather who was also a vaudevillian musician and how they met, and a little bit about that story. So, welcome to Historically Speaking, Stacey. You're going to have a lot of fun today. Well, thank you, Angela. And I wanted to ask you about Henry Hunt's original last name. Can you give us a little background on that? Sure. Um, Henry's father's name was
1: Simon, and he came from Finland over here to the United States, and they came through New York. And when he got over through Ellis Island... They changed the name from Hernanen, which was H-U-R-N-A-N-E-N, to Hunt, H-U-N-T. And they felt that it was a shorter and easier to pronounce name.
0: Which is possibly very true. <laughs> <laughs> so now you told me Letha Gladich. Um, do you know the ancestry of her last name?
1: Sure. They also they came from Finland. Her they father so. was Fernando and, or Ferdinand in some cases, on uh, census, and he came from Finland.
0: That's really interesting, because I know later on in your family history, uh, Mexico comes into play, so that that's going to be kind of interesting. But now, Letha, uh, was she an alto or a soprano? You know, that part I had never received, um, except, except for there, there was a little clip that I found, a newspaper
1: clip, that was published in the Chicago newspaper, about 1900 and it did say that she was a soprano that I was able to get that little piece of information uh, but I wasn't ever really sure until recently
0: what's really fun about this Victorian era stuff in Chicago is is I recently wrote a book that was set in the Chicago World's Fair and music kind of played a part so it's kind of fun for me to like go back there with you and your family (laughs) that is fun I know and it's like, so, you know, if anybody out there uh, wants to read a little bit about the Chicago, the Victorian era, and the World's Fair was in uh, 1893. So Letha would have been a 10-year-old, and she likely would have attended the World's Fair there. And Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, so Blue Ribbon Brides, grab your coffee, and that way <laughs> you can learn a little <laughs> about Letha's uh, childhood days. <laughs> so wow. how did they meet? How did Letha Gladich and Henry Hunt meet? Do you know?
1: Well, I do have some knowledge of that uh, through some documentation and some documents that I have, but they met in vaudeville while they were performing. Uh, Henry was a musician. He used to play different types of um, horned instruments and guitar stringed instruments, and he could play any kind of instrument with him and his partner, Garden, Mr. Garden. And so they were performing, and Letha's brother, John, was also a, mu- a musician, And so they met with John, and John introduced Henry to Letha.
0: Ooh. So So
1: that was a fun little story that they.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's there's actually some written documentation that I have on that when they had met. So, kind of interesting. Um, My Uncle John had documented some things in his journals about them meeting.
0: Wow. And now, are these your grandparents or your great grandparents? My great grandparents. Great grandparents. Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, so just as an aside, your great grandmother was born in 1883, same year my grandfather was born. And we are the same age. (laughs) That's true.
1: That's funny.
0: That is really, isn't that ironic? Wow. That is. Okay, so um, now tell me a little bit about their careers.
1: Yeah, she was married in 1903, but around, uh, between 1900 and 1902, I believe that she was Miss Chicago. I have some documents that say, and I have the picture that says when, uh, she was at Miss Chicago. I think it was was between 1900
0: and 1902. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool. And having been Mrs. Montana, that makes it really fun for me.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. I just wanted to throw that in there for you.
0: I appreciate it. Well, not only that, but it, um... It gives, uh, it lends to, to the fact that she was a beautiful, talented woman, but it also gives us something that we can track down—that there's some concrete evidence that of this person's existence, and that's you know one of our genealogy tips of the day for folks listening out there, that if you can track something because you know of a title, um, whether it is a beauty pageant title or a title that was maybe European. Uh, nobility or royalty. These are things that are factual that you can track down and you can find out whether this is real within your family's history and it gives you the ability to put evidence into your your genealogical tree. So, Because these are things that are in the newspaper, pretty easy to find in the paper. So That's That's right. That's pretty cool. So where did you find those documents? I
1: was able to find some of those documents online but also my uncle um, their grandson had a treasure chest, I called it. And it was an old sea chest, and it had a lot of the pictures and a lot of the documents within that chest. And so I went to his house, and I was going through it, and I found all these really great pictures of Henry and Letha and of their career. And along with that, there was a playbill of them uh, of them playing together, on the playbill, and then there was also a couple other things such as um, the receipts and things um, from from Henry, because Henry, so Lita and Henry were in Chicago at the turn of the century, they got married in 1903, and they had uh, two sons throughout, while they were in Chicago. One of the things was that Henry also opened up the first motion picture movie house. And they showed a playing of the volcano, I think it was Mount St. Helena, erupting. Uh, Mount Some, it was a volcano erupting at the turn of the century. And so they had that. And he had a receipt that I received from 1909 that is the Motion Picture Movie Industries Union. And he paid a dollar for his union dues for that year.
0: Oh, once again, fantastic evidence to build out the life of this ancestor where was his movie theater out his movie house at
1: it was in chicago
0: in chicago so he had the first movie house you think in chicago
1: yes oh wow and so there's we have some documents and some pictures and some historical evidence so it was it was pretty fun to see that so they after it was it was after the birth of their children Somewhere between um, 1912 and 1915, they moved on to California and moved out to California. And Henry uh, got out of vaudeville, still played a lot of musical instruments, but he became a postmaster general for um, one of the post offices in Los Angeles.
0: Oh, once again, fantastic documentation available there.
1: Right. And so one of the cool things was that they were rebuilding the post office. And in 1915, it was in 1942 that he retired and he had um, taken the flooring from the, from the post office, the old post office and it was made out of teak and he made a xylophone out of it and played it at his retirement ceremony. <laughs> do you so, have,
0: I, I is, do you have any photo of that? I never, I do. I have, like I said, when I was
1: talking to you last week, there's, um, between the previous move that I have, a lot of my stuff is still in boxes somewhere, but I do have a picture of him, a newspaper article actually from the Los Angeles Times that has him as playing the xylophone at his retirement ceremony.
0: Oh my gosh. Made from the teak wood of the floor?
1: Yes. That's what the article said.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, uh, this is uh, this teak xylophone. Do you know anything about what might have happened to it? Um, you know, that's
1: the sad part is that I truly don't know what happened to that.
0: Oh. And
1: you know, there's there's rumors that it was he had it in the '60s that they knew, but after that, I don't know exactly what happened to it. Wow. So some pictures that are posted that you'll post is um, there's pictures of. Henry and Letha, in their later years, in the 60s, uh, that picture was taken in 65. Uh-huh. And so there's some older pictures there of them as they were older. I also sent you a picture of Letha in her golden days as an opera singer in one of her costumes, or operatic costumes, in one of her photoshops. Um, that was really interesting. Um, there was, so there's she was beautiful.
0: Those... I, that is a gorgeous. Folks, you got to make sure to take a look at the photos that are posted on the show page, and uh, I'll make sure they're posted on my website as well um, at Angela The These are gorgeous photos. Keep going, Stacy.
1: So, um, so there's those. Then there's actually the receipts
0: of the union
1: receipts from him belonging to the motion picture movie industry from 1909. So that's pretty cool. That and, is uh, really cool. Yeah. So those are just some little things that I found. And one of the other pictures there is actually Letha's senior photo taken out in a field with her classmates. Um, That was one of the other photos that I sent to you.
0: Uh Uh-huh. They're so so much fun.
1: They are. Those vintage photos, I absolutely love them.
0: So when they got married, do you know how long they were married?
1: Well, sure. They they got married in uh, 1903. And... Let's see, Letha, she died, uh, she died in 1967. Oh, wow. So, they were married for 64 years.
0: Wow. That's a long, long love affair. Oh, my god. It was. It was a good love affair. The stories that I've been told,
1: you know, Letha, she passed away when I was, I was four years old. Um, but Henry died in 1970. So I do remember some things about Henry that were as a child and even, even at his age of 91, he still, he's still was such a vibrant person and he had, a, he had a really nice charisma about him that I remember as a child.
0: Wow. So. I, I feel the same way, you know, about my grandfather. He, he died at 99 and a half and he loved to tell stories. He loved to play his harmonica. I bet my grandpa and your great-grandma and great-grandpa would have been great friends. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, he could have yeah, joined I mean, in with harmonica and a baritone voice. <laughs> They're just so, it's so amazing when you
1: start doing a genealogy and start looking into some of these things. And like you and I talked, you know, there are things you have to find credible evidence of things, and you have to verify those those records so that you're not using and going, Oh, that's the person and checking it off. That, that is the person. No, you need to go through and double check. So sometimes there were some things that I was finding on a Henry hunt that wasn't my grandfather, Henry hunt. But and
0: did, you were, you were thinking, do you think that he might be a relative at a different generation or? Yes. Well, I don't,
1: not, not on Henry, I think, but with, um, in regards to, the other sides of the family, yes, I, I agree that you will like Ferdinand, Fernando Gladish, Letha's dad. Um, there, that name Ferdinand or Fernando is carried throughout at least three or four generations. So, trying to decipher which one is which <laughs> and where you put them into, um, so that's kind of interesting, and, and you have to verify that because one's an uncle, and one's a cousin, and one's a one's a father. Yeah. So. Verifying that information is really important, because otherwise you'll go down the wrong rabbit hole.
0: And how have you been able to do that? Have you used um, census records, or how, what have you done to, to verify?
1: Census, census records, indexes, a lot of the information is available now on Ancestry.
0: Yeah, Ancestry.com has a ton of information.
1: <coughs> Sorry, but back in the day, it used to not be Ancestry, and you'd have to go do the own, your own research with Microfish, and verify it through newspaper articles and um, being able to do that research. And so what Ancestry has now is invaluable because you can be able to verify that information through actual census reports, through actual indexes, birth and social security indexes, birth indexes.
0: Well, and the thing that's really important for folks to know, here's, here's a genealogy tip, is the the index is a tool that, that helps you get to the information. So you can't use the index itself as verification but it can give you where that information is to get the document to verify. So once you've used an index to find the source uh, information and you find the documentation um, and you print it out, you know, um, writing down the source on that document is so crucial so you can either re-find it again or somebody else can follow your trail. Right, so uploading
1: it into your chart is good. I mean, you can upload documents, so you can follow it. And, you know, one of the other things that I've done recently was did my DNA.
0: Did you? I did, too. What did you find out about yourself?
1: Uh, Well, I'm 36% Iberian. Uh Uh-huh. And because of my nice Norwegian and Scandinavian and Finnish background, I have 37% Scandinavian. (laughs) But I also found out I was 2% Jewish. Wow. Uh-huh. I have a little, I have one, less than 1%, or 1% Sri Lankan, less than 1% Middle Eastern. I think that comes from the Spanish side of my family.
0: Oh, could be, could be.
1: So from Spain?
0: Yeah. And that,
1: or the Jewish part also comes from, is the Spanish Jew, Jews that lived over in Spain. So that piece comes from there, too.
0: Well, then and then yeah. there, there's ahead. 9% Irish. 9%? <laughs> Do you say so nine, 9% Irish? 9 yeah. <laughs> well, um, I have, um, I think I've got like less, I'm something like 7% or, or something of that of Iberian, and 12.5% Irish, and I am um, a quarter um, Scandinavian-Swedish. Nice. Yeah, so that was really interesting, you know. Um, no Jewish, but, you know, there's, there's some other 54%. Of like the Great Britain and, and Scotland and uh, area so that's, that's really cool it's interesting to have fun learning what people have learned from their DNA um, in, and what you have in common and the other part of that was finding out that a sibling could have their DNA done be you know directly descended from both the same parents and their percentages could come out completely different I thought that was really fascinating that is fascinating. Because you only, in taking some of the uh, DNA classes through the genealogy degree that I'm doing, you only get um, your own individualized um, DNA sources from your parents. So you inherit certain DNA things because of uh, however it was that God designed it, um, but your sibling does not inherit the exact same things. So um, if you, the more siblings that take these DNA tests, the more well-rounded the information actually becomes. So it's kind of interesting because you may inherit, like you said here, 36% Iberian and you said 2% Jewish, while your sister maybe inherits um, 10% Jewish and um, 26% Iberian. You know, So you start to, you know, the, and that's just a silly example, but you start to fill out this much more holistic view of your family with the more people that take the DNA test. Oh, interesting! Yeah, so yeah,
1: I mean, my family, my sisters, to take it. I found, and then through Henry and Letha's line, through the deep, I have actually found a, um, basically a cousin, second, a second cousin, through that. She's my, she's our angel, and then oh, wow. um, her mom was a um, daughter of one of of my, of my grandfather's brother. So it was, it was just a really interesting story when I had a stranger send me an email saying we're related. I was like, "Who are you?" And then I got there, like that kind of thing. So
0: Those kind of cool. It is very cool. So um, tell me, did Lisa and Henry go through any difficulties that you know about in their in their love affair? This long, long not
1: that I know of, it was just they were always holding hands, and that was one of the things throughout talking to relatives that knew them, my aunts and my uncles that are my dad's generation, because my dad has since passed, um, they were always holding hands, even in the 60s, you know, right before she passed away. um, It was every time you saw one, you saw the other. Oh, wow. Always together. And it's such a great little story with them. And seeing the other pictures that I have seen of them together, just the look in their faces at each other. It was incredible. They had this great love story meeting, you know, at the turn of the century in this Victorian time frame of music. And
0: So, um, do you have any other um, stories that came down through your family about Letha and Henry? Their, their deep love for one another? That has to be such an amazing thing for your family.
1: It is an amazing thing just to be able to trace, you know, from a genealogical perspective. When you're looking at finding just those little pieces every time you find a newspaper article about one of them or about both of them, you know, or what was a great thing was my cousin, she was a backup singer for Hoyt Axton. She's, um, you know, we've got musicians in our family throughout history now. I've noticed that after doing my genealogy. And um, so she found a vaudeville poster with Garden and Hunt on it. An original, in the basement of one of the theaters in which she was singing. So she got that really great poster. And, you know, so finding little things that are random, like the randomness. So you find these posters. I'll find a newspaper article about Letha when she was in her, she was 18 years old and on her own and going and doing over in Europe, singing in Europe and coming back to the United States. You know, you find these little articles and it's kind of cool. And then you'll find something about Henry and then you'll find something about Lita. but they were always, they always seemed to be together. And they, when they toured the United States, they toured together.
0: Oh, wow. You know, um, when you said she went over there at 18 and saying in Europe, I, when I was looking up my own grandmother on ancestry, I was looking for just a little more information. Um, and so you know you can put in some of the searches. Well, my grandmother's name once she was married was Mabel Nelson. I found a woman named Mabel Nelson in uh I want to say it was nineteen fifty three, who got on a ship and went to Norway. And I'm like was there another Mabel Nelson? Uh same age and why would she be doing that? Was that my grandmother, or was that some other similar named woman? I'm now on this quest to find the mystery of who was this woman and why would she go <laughs> off? <laughs> I, why is somebody in my line going over to Norway? <laughs> yeah, um, when her she was first born from Sweden, you know that kind of a thing. But um, we don't realize how common it was to actually go back and forth across the ocean. Um, you know, in ships and things like this to, to do business, to do these kinds of things. Because even now, the expense of flying in an airplane can really hold a lot of people back from extended travel. And yet, it's so much simpler than it was back then. Yeah. But they still did it. And it just, it amazes me. So do know. you know, did she do like one tour in Europe? Or do you, do you have record of that she did it multiple times? Or do you know that?
1: I don't know that. I just, I have found the one record of her going to Europe. There was actually, I think it was in one of the Chicago newspapers about her when she returned.
0: Wow. Did it say anything uh, other than the social side of her returning? Did it say anything about who she sang for? Because sometimes when they would go to Europe, they would sing for, you know, heads of state or certain opera companies. or. It didn't
1: say. It just said that um, Miss Letha Gladish did her return. She's returning from uh, a tour um, of Europe.
0: Wow! Uh, and wouldn't it be nice if you knew which countries, so you could um, go look those newspapers up and um, put her tour together. That uh, would be really cool. I could see a book coming out of that, Stacy. <laughs> 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 or even a movie. You know, in her grand tour of Europe, and um, that's so cool. So she but was, at
1: 18, you know, you got to think you're 18 years old, and you come back, and you know, you've, you've already seen it all and done it all at 18, and it's just kind of funny. So she did her little grand performance and then came back and, you know, was Miss Chicago and then got married in 1903. So it's kind of interesting, you know, you kind of just did it all. Okay, now it's time to get married.
0: <laughs> but it's true, too, because um, lifespans, many people had good long lifespans, but the majority of people didn't. And so things happened, you know, maybe a little earlier um, for, for married life and things like that. So it, it's fascinating to see how that all pieces together. So if she did that tour and came back and then was married by 1903 we've got some real markers where we can start to look back and piece together that missing time period for her. I mean this has just been such a fascinating story and we're gonna have Stacy back on in the future because not only did she have a great story for Letha Gladich and Henry Hunt but she has some other fabulous future stories that she's going to tell us. And so just as a, as a possible future coming, in, give us just a quick couple of words about some other famous people in your family.
1: Well, I, the Masons, um, Aaron, and, Aaron Mason and Mercedes Gladish. Well, Aaron was one of the founders of the Silver King Mine, which is the largest silver-producing mine in the state of Arizona. And his brother Charles had the first registered brand in the state of Arizona in Pinal County.
0: Wow. So
1: there's some really cool Arizona history. And as a matter of fact, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was reading a story of my, in my history book, and I came home and I asked my dad, I said, Dad, are these people related to us? And he says, that's your great-grandfather <laughs> and your great-uncle. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's kind of nice, and, uh, you know, to be able to understand the Robleses and um, the Masons and how they met and all of the things that
0: they came about. Oh, that would be a really fun story for a future one. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give Stacy her homework here and um, you, you got a couple of months and we'll have you back and uh, see if you can piece together a great story for us about um, Aaron Mason and his brother and any of their wives, you know, and love stories in there. And uh, let's get some Arizona history going. That would be a blast. And by the way, that's where Stacy and I met. And uh, I will tell this on the air. I moved into an apartment after moving back from Spain, and I had two little tiny tots, and it was Christmas Eve. And Stacy was the apartment next door. She came over to see if she could help and found me crying. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't even have a Christmas tree or Christmas dinner for my family. And Stacy brought it all over. And that was how we became friends. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Funny.
0: I know I can't believe you drug that down the dialogue. <laughs> but it, I do believe it now when I listen to the great love that your great grandparents had for one another. I think they instilled um, that kind of a deep love for other people in you. And I'm grateful to have had you for such a good friend for so long. So thank you, you Stacy for being with us. And folks, when you um, look. When you listen to this, make sure you look up the pictures that we'll put up there. And if you're related to um, Stacy, uh, if you have any idea that you might be related to these people she's talking about, you can contact me and I'll help you get in touch with Stacy so that you can find out if your genealogy tree, your family tree, branches into hers. That would be a fun thing, too. So thanks for being with me today, Stacy. And um, I'm just really grateful and looking forward to hearing the rest of the stories that come from your very interesting family. (laughs) Thanks, Anne. I will talk to you later. Okay.